0: I'm Seth. And I'm Jonathan. And welcome to No Experts Allowed. You know what we love? The Bible. You know what we don't love? When people use the Bible to scare or hurt others, instead of allowing it to transform them and their communities. So we're trying something different. Two Bible nerds
1: hosting a podcast that isn't about technical details, but is about two
0: simple questions. What's the story? And what's the point? One of us will prepare for the conversation. Let's call them the non-expert. The other will respond to the story as they hear it. We'll call them, and you, the storyteller. So we can show you that you don't need to be an expert to hear the Bible speak to our world. Join us, let's tell a good story today.
1: Good afternoon, Jonathan. Steph, good afternoon to you as well, sir.
0: I always feel like I have to reference a time when we do this, but it is actually the afternoon. It's
1: true. (laughs) I'm fairly certain that we could say whatever time that we want, though. So to our listeners, happy whatever time of day it is when you're listening to this. We hope you're enjoying your day so far, and I hope that this makes their day a little better, don't you?
0: I hope so. I have a question that might make your day a little bit better. Okay. I, ho- I hope this makes my day better, for sure. What would you do in this particular situation? Would you want all of your clothes to look identical as they do now, but be really itchy, or they look identical, but they're extraordinarily warm? Oh.
1: <laughs> so... Which way do you want me to be tortured forever? <laughs> if... Man, I have to go with warm because that is much closer to my current experience of wearing of wearing of clothes. <laughs> I just run hot, man. I'm sitting here with Abby, my my spouse. We are sitting in the same house, you know, sitting on the same couch, and she's in. A sweatshirt and sweatpants and under a blanket and I'm just sitting there in shorts and a t-shirt and be like, it's so hot in here. And So I feel like because it's closer to my current lived experience, I have to go with that because being itchy is far worse. I can't stand it. I'm thinking about being itchy and I'm starting to feel itchy itchy now and I hate you.
0: (laughs) The same thing is happening to me. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Sometimes I have... Like, I'm, I buy a new shirt and I have to cut the tag out because it, it's like, scratches my neck. And that drives me insane. I cannot think of anything else, like, if the if the tag scratches yeah. me. So, I, it would be torture to have all of my clothes feel like yeah. that just constantly. I think I'd rather just be be baking. Like. Uh,
1: well, yeah. with what I'm seeing about today's scripture, I think I know what the connection is. <laughs> with that, will you read it for us? Sure, I'd be glad to. This is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 from the International Children's Bible. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As the prophet Isaiah wrote, I will send my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. There is a voice of a man who calls out in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make the road straight for him. John was baptizing people in the desert. He preached a baptism of changed hearts and lives for the forgiveness of sins. All the people from Judea and Jerusalem were going out to John, and they told about the sins they had done. Then they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made from camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. This is what John preached to the people. There is one coming later who is greater than I. I am not good enough even to kneel down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but the one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Mm. So Seth, why'd we
0: go with the International Children's Bible for this passage from the beginning of Mark? I feel like I've said this before on the podcast, but sometimes you read a passage and almost all of the translations are very similar. That is the case here. But I wanted to try and and bring a new translation this week. So the International Children's Bible tries to make especially a lot of idioms uh, as understandable as they can be in modern English. But I'm also really impressed by the group of scholars that did it. Uh, they have people who translated the NIV, the New King James, and I think Think the english standard version and then people from each of those different committees came together to help translate this children's bible and i think that they've done a really good job trying to make something that's understandable that that follows the original text um, and is is a good place to start for this week it's like i said this with this passage most of the translations are really similar so I thought, well, we'll try something new. But what stuck out to you while you were reading?
1: So a couple of things stand out to me about just who John was and what he was doing. And I mean, that's what this passage is about. But the fact that his diet was locusts and wild honey seems oddly specific. And I'm wondering if there's something really meaningful about that, uh, about those... <laughs> those dietary selections there's also something interesting for me here that kind of brings it out to a larger theological idea but the idea of baptism uh being for folks who are repentant and only upon their repentance will they be baptized and that's very consistent with the practice of the early church Uh, but i know for our traditions today that's not how we practice baptism baptism is usually given to infants or to those who have never been baptized before as adults, but with the understanding that baptism is about what God is doing, an expression and manifestation of God's grace, uh, not necessarily of, you know, a response to your response to God, if that makes sense. So I don't know, there's just some conflicting ideas that came up, but I'm more, more curious about john's diet and if there's any significance behind that that you're aware of
0: (laughs) okay that's a great question both his weird clothes that we referenced in our what would you do in this particular situation
1: hot clothes in the middle (laughs) of the desert sounds great
0: exactly both his clothes and his kind of weird diet are are probably in reference to the prophet elijah who wore exactly the same outfit and i think he i think he only eats locusts to be honest i don't i think that the wild honey is just a a john the baptist Mm. dietary staple but it puts the idea is to put john in the same line as the prophets who have come before him Mm. even if it's where by wearing weird stuff and eating kind of weird stuff Mm.
1: okay (laughs) Well that makes sense that makes sense then because if it's it feels like a very clear connection to this earlier part of the passage. It says there's a voice of one who calls out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. And then John is literally doing that in the (laughs) desert. Like it's like They said that someone was gonna come do this. John came and did this. Like that feels like a solid introduction for the book of Mark, which is notoriously straight to the point. And moves very quickly there's no like theological treatise like there is at the beginning of john these first verses just get right into the thick of things talking about not only who john was but how that backs up and supports who jesus uh, was and would become too so yeah that's helpful What, what were some of the things that you you wanted to highlight and that were kind of interesting to you when you were preparing for this conversation
0: sure one of the things that's that's interesting is the way that John orients himself in relation to Jesus, that he's not good enough even to kneel down and untie his sandals. John sees himself as being so insignificant compared to Jesus who's coming that like, he can't even untie his dirty, disgusting shoes yeah. and reveal his dirty and disgusting feet. Like, like, the way that John thinks about himself is so is so low and yet he still sees himself as having this like simultaneously important job and role to play. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting how, I don't know, in today's parlance, we'd call it a, you know, really, really low self-esteem or (laughs) unnecessary self-deprecation. Right. Like it's just this man, I'm garbage. But at the same time, the way he's framing it is is a way that's exalting jesus but i think there's a way to there's a way to lift up without putting yourself or without putting others down too and i think i don't know i i'm with you that just feels in my modern understanding that's like i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend that people talk about themselves this way even <laughs> if they are comparing themselves to jesus like you can talk about how someone is Better, or lifted up, or sell, needs to be celebrated without making yourself terrible yes. in the process.
0: Agreed. He doesn't seem too terrible if he's out there, like, proclaiming that Jesus is coming and wearing super itchy clothes. <laughs> and eating locust on Wild Honey. Like, he's pretty committed to this. Yeah. He's committed to the whole outfit. <laughs> like, he... I don't... Is this, like, paleo, or... I don't know what this. I don't know be. what this. This is like a different. This is like a whole different style diet. Yeah, but exactly. like he's all in.
1: I don't know if honey would be accepted on the paleo diet though, because that has some carb, some carbs in it. So oh, true. That's true. <laughs> I don't know enough about diets. I'm not going to pretend to know yeah. anything about diets to Maybe know either. which one would include both locusts <laughs> and wild honey. Or exclusively locusts, Same wow, way. honey. There's that big whether the big evangelical movement for like the Daniel diet or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I am not seeing any books by Rick Warren about the John the Baptist diet, so <laughs> <laughs> it was in the Bible too, Rick. Why don't we make something out of that? <laughs> Sorry, too salty. <laughs> it's
0: okay. It's okay. Just salty enough. Yeah, just, just like a locust. You know, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> One thing that I do appreciate about John, I feel like now that we've we've made fun of his outfit and his diet and how he's like he's self deprecating, is I always think that John tells the truth. Hmm. Is it the Gospel of Matthew where John tells Herod that he shouldn't be sleeping with Herod's wife's sister, and then Herod has John's head cut off?
1: I can't remember. I, think... I know that is a story. I can't remember when... Uh, I think that's it. <laughs> I can't remember which gospel it shows up in. <laughs> so John... Yeah, so he... to to a fault, he always tells the truth. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Is there anything else that sticks out to you? If not, we can move on. This is kind of a short passage.
1: No, This is just an aside. I've heard a lot of, of scholarship around how... You divide up verse three, which is a reference from Isaiah, Mm -hmm. where you divide up what's being called out. So often, and how I've heard it translated is there's a voice of one who cries out in the wilderness, begin quote, prepare the way for the Lord, make the road straight for God. But I've also heard a pretty convincing argument that you could break it up. There's a voice of one who cries out, begin quote, in the desert, prepare or in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord.
0: Oh, and yeah. mm-hmm.
1: it's like a—it's a very subtle difference. But I think when coupled with Israel's history of being kind of a wilderness people, of an exiled people, I could see there being a real place for both. And maybe—and maybe there is a place, like a a, a true place for both mm-hmm. in in the traditions. But I'm just. I don't know. That's always stood out to me. It's just a, a we don't have to go into the nuances of like biblical translation history, but somewhere along the way, someone made that choice that stuck, and it's a really significant difference. All about where a colon and a quotation mark begins,
0: right? Yeah, and one. It seems like if you put the quote before in the desert, that also seems to help John's point about baptizing people in the desert.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it. I don't think it. Undercuts John either way. Yeah, but I think it's just a thought about where do we have to be in order to prepare the way Point of the board. Lord, so to speak. You know, do we have to be in the places where we're secure, or do we can we also do that in the places where we're a little more insecure? That's a aside, though. Was there anything else for you that you wanted to bring up?
0: I don't think so. I think I think I'm ready to move into application. Cool. Let's do it. I've been thinking about this text both in terms of baptism and in reference to telling the truth, like in a world where mistruth and misinformation and alternative facts seem to just run wild, what does it mean to tell the truth?
1: Yeah, I'm just pulling up our... uh the united methodist baptismal liturgy and i'm just thinking about the the vows so yeah, in our tradition yeah. the vows are taken by the parents on behalf of the children but it's a vow for everybody right because this is the this is the vow that unites us in our in our ministry i don't know the the one that stands out to me is Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I think there's something to say about about truth-telling there. And there's certainly truth-telling in some of these other aspects, too, of, you know, to the parents directly in the community of faith about sharing the truth with the children as they're raised up kind of thing. But I don't know, for, for our tradition... I think offering that public witness that speaking truth to power and to oppressive systems in particular no matter who's in power that's it's kind of a marker of our understanding of being being followers of christ being christian as as it as we're united in our baptismal vows which are intended to be universal too so is there anything like that that you can think of in the in the lutheran tradition or liturgy
0: we have those same vows um, but both uh, the sponsors or the parents and the entire congregation would respond to all of them mm. but i think about some of those vows as just like as telling the truth themselves right mm. um, especially my favorite one is uh do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy god and then everyone says yes i renounce them that that little section of liturgy is like a mini exorcism, which I think that's just a fun fact. But I also think it tells the truth about who's really in charge. Yeah,
1: well, also in our tradition, to the um, the Apostles' Creed is part of the baptism liturgy, and I don't know if that's the case for for your tradition as well. But there's also the statement of of proclaiming that truth that again unites us as a community so it's both telling truth in the moment and saying that part of what we are called to do is to tell truth that's what you see uniting us in baptism too and that's so interesting to connect that back to john the baptist how his role as we talked about just even beyond this story was about truth telling and proclaiming to the people the truth of jesus and also proclaiming to the people in power, the truth about themselves, yeah. that kind of undercut undercut their authority, uh, undercut uh, poor choice of words given <laughs> how John died. But oh <laughs> <laughs> but I stand by what I said.
0: <laughs> Maybe you've heard this idea, like from your mom or someone, when you were little, like, "Oh, if you just tell the truth, you don't get in trouble." It's not my experience that that's true. Like I often think the trouble starts when you tell the truth, mm. and I wonder if we don't have the same kind of perception about baptism, like oh, in in our baptism, like it's gonna be smooth sailing, but actually, yeah, like the quote, the trouble starts at our baptism. Right? God's called... gonna
1: trouble the waters, right?
0: Exactly.
1: There's a yeah. There's a. I mean, it's the the whole question of. I mean this is getting I guess into higher level questions of like morality and ethics too but it is the value the value of truth telling is not necessarily a value of it is good to tell truth it is bad to tell lie why I decided to say that in that structure I'm not sure but I again I stand by it I think I'm curious about how that distinction plays itself out when you are telling truth or not in a position of power versus <laughs> telling the truth or not kind of directed at those who are in power either to offer that critique or to maybe curry favor by not saying the things that need to be said or, you know, stroking someone's ego to get what you want. Um, I don't know. It, mm-hmm. it like, it feels like, again, like a lot of the things we think about, that your location and your position make some of the questions we ask have different answers, right? Yeah. Because John was, John was in the desert. He wasn't in the halls of power. And yet he caused so much trouble that he ended up being killed for it. And I'm wondering what that says about our ability to do the same. Depending on our location as
0: well. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if our this is maybe a a little bit of a different point. If if our baptism and can somehow empower us to tell the truth, to mm. like that if that when we have the assurance of God's love. An acceptance that comes in baptism if that doesn't sometimes allow us to tell the truth even when we're in positions that can be harmed greatly by telling the truth Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it's almost this statement you know my understanding of baptism is that it's a it's a gift from god that gives us god's grace and shows us that god is already on our side right And so, living in the confidence of that—that that God's got your back—can embolden you to take certain stands that you might not take otherwise if you felt like you were on your own. I really appreciate that idea, Seth. So that's good.
0: Just as, as one aside, that's always my argument for baptizing children. Mm. It's because it, if it's if it's God's action, then we can baptize this little baby, and what. What makes it clearer that it's obviously God's action than when this baby can do basically nothing for itself? Right? Yeah, like when the parents have to help it with everything It's obviously God who who's at work?
1: Yeah, and you know I, I was raised in a tradition that operated more on the what we'd call the believers back baptism spectrum that, baptism was less of a sign of God's grace and more of a response to God's grace, like a kind of a public declaration of one's own commitment or one's own faith. And I think the distinction between them too, like they're often asking different questions they're they're, yeah. they're telling different yeah. stories and so in one in either story the other option doesn't make any sense Yep, true but in the stories that they're telling and those actions represent in those faith communities they, they they become a little more meaningful too so yes i have i have i have myself moved to really appreciate infant baptism but i can't say that i'm completely opposed to that that other story too i mm-hmm. think there's uh I think there's a real benefit for it but it it is it's it's saying something completely different it is yeah I I just find it the reason I think I landed here is because I think I find it much more compelling for the narrative to be centered on God's action and to start there and then allow us those opportunities to respond to
0: I only speak for my own tradition I think even Lutheranism wants to partially embrace that story we just call it confirmation
1: Right. right, we yeah. were like,
0: we were like, okay, how can we have both of these? Uh, we'll, yes, well, baptism, and then we'll have confirmation. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like the cheater's way out. They were like, okay, <laughs> just add, just add another section on it. But
1: that's good. Baptism, truth telling. John the Baptist really had a lot to offer us, more than just, thankfully, more than just fashion and more diet
0: than... <laughs> choices. Yeah, luckily. <laughs> you mentioned that Mark just starts. It's just it's like no fluff That's exactly what this is. So I'm interested that now that we're in the gospel of mark for a year now to see what else Mark has in store for us I'm like what where else does he come out just swinging? Yeah, it's not. There's not any fluff. He just tells you He moved, His narrative moves so fast and he just tells you the truth mm. Just like John
1: Yeah As this passage starts, this is the (laughs) beginning. And I'm looking forward to see where where it takes us as well.
0: With that, are we ready to pray? I think so. I'd love that. Great. Let us pray. Gracious God, in our baptism, you tell us the truth about who we are. We are loved. Help us to tell the truth, too. Even when it starts good trouble. For in doing so, we proclaim the one who is the way, and the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. To our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for our next episode. Jonathan, what story will we tell next week? Next
1: week, we are going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55, Mary's Magnificat, beautiful part of the nativity and christmas story but until then leave us a review and find us on twitter and instagram to continue the conversation thanks for walking us through that story seth thanks for helping me tell it